Welcome to the First Time Facilitator Podcast. Whether you're a first-time facilitator or a seasoned pro, listen in for tips and tricks to make a bigger impact at the next workshop you deliver. And now, your host, Leanne Hughes. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Leanne Hughes, and I'm here to help you design fast, deliver strong without stress. I'm also the author of a book. It's called The Two-Hour Workshop Blueprint. It came out back at the end of June, and I'm delighted to say, finally, I've got the Audible version out. It's available on Amazon.com. It only came out uh, maybe a few days ago, so that's really exciting as well if you prefer to listen rather than read. Now, on today's show, it's a solo episode, and I'm doing a reflection on an event that I ran, uh, well, co-hosted last week, and it's an interesting type of event. I wanted to share insights from that experience. It's always fun to share these things while they're fresh in your mind, some of the lessons learned, some of the things to watch out for, some of the great things that happened as well. So this episode is more about the process of collaborating with people you've never met before and also co-hosting an event with someone that you've never met before and how you make that work. As well as we had some fun things that happened on the night that were a bit of a curveball, but nothing too dramatic in the scheme of things. By the way, if you'd love to connect, uh, I'd love to uh, see what you're up to. Let's connect on LinkedIn, uh, Instagram. I'm at Leanne Hughes. Twitter slash X Leanne Hughes um, and website leannehughes.com slash firsttimefacilitator.com. All right, now on to the show. So uh, a couple of months ago, my friend uh, Sophie Robertson, we've been friends since, uh, well, we used to play netball against each other and then we played in the same teams through university. She's just an amazing person. She basically turns anything into gold dust, wonderful human, and she's the head of something called 10 by 10 Philanthropy for Brisbane, which is the city that I live in. So what 10 by 10 philanthropy is, if you haven't heard about it, I hadn't really heard about it before I met Sophie, uh, but it's such an awesome event. So maybe if you'd like to run one in your city, I don't know, reach out. I can see how I can help facilitate that. But it's basically finding uh, three up and coming sort of grassroots social purpose organizations, people that are doing work for the community, for charity, and giving them awareness and building awareness of their cause by hosting an event and also donating money to their cause. Now, Sophie's run a couple of these in Brisbane already. I think last year she held an event and one for one charity they earned, I think they earned over three hundred dollars or $500,000 for this one charity. So we heard her story on, on the night. She works for a company called save our supplies. Uh, so Claire was a, a nurse. Uh, she noticed that all these hospital supplies are being thrown out. So now she repurposes those and sends them uh, to different countries, including Papua New Guinea. So just cool to hear that, you know, we have governments that have programs, but to hear the, these, uh, hear from founders that are actually seeing opportunities, seeing challenges, seeing complex issues on the ground and are making a real impact to the people that actually matter. And it's not getting sort of chied up in bureaucracy or anything like that. It's such a great evening uh, and such a great you know mission, this 10 by 10 philanthropy. So how it usually works is you get 10 committee members. Each committee member invites 10 friends. So you have 100 people, you charge 100 bucks. Uh, and as that's all tax deductible in within Australia, so then you can then uh, you get two fifty dollar tokens. You listen to three pitches on the night from these organisations, and then you decide where your charity dollars will go. Uh, by the way, I mean they've had events in New York and Hong Kong and you know around the world, so it's not just Australia based as well. So that's the setup. So as part of this committee, I said yes to it because I think I got to do. I have to do a bit more in terms of giving back because we've been very fortunate with yeah with with where I am and. Um, opportunities that have been given to me. And I think it's, there's always a, you know, it's really, I do think it's really important to give back. Plus the other benefit is also just meeting interesting people that you would never have been exposed to before without uh, having done this. And so, and that certainly happened as well. I made a ton of great friends through this committee. So it all kicked off. Well, basically it just involved, um, I wanted to talk about the, the, the two mediums of collaboration that we used to connect. I was unavailable a few times over the last couple of months. And they, there was one in real life 
meeting, but I was running a, my four-week workshop sprint, so I couldn't make that. But apart from that, it's been all virtual, um, even though we're all based in Brisbane. So how we connected was every Monday night at 7.30, we had a standing meeting that went for about 30 minutes to 60 minutes. I obviously had to stop the recording there. You could hear my security guard, AKA Milo, my dog. Uh, maybe there was someone at the front gate. Yeah, so we had a standing meeting, uh, went for about 30 to 60 minutes where like, it's funny, eight weeks out to planning something, you think you got all the time in the world. So you know, the first few meetings, we're just sort of getting to know each other and you have to go through a stage of nominating some of these social enterprises. So we had like 15 to 20 that applied and then narrowing down to three. I kind of joked to a friend of mine, being on this 10 by 10 committee was actually like, I don't know the times where you've been on group projects. This was the opposite of that, where we actually had committee members that would put their hand up and do things and execute. It was actually a really awesome committee to be a part of. I didn't think that there was like everyone was sort of pulling their weight and getting involved and responding uh, the whole way through, which is great. But of course, in leading up to an event, you're like, oh, have we done this? And there's all these little things that can fall through the cracks sometimes. So that was how we met was um, we had the, the weekly call. But I think the second part of that, which I think you have to have is the async, the asynchronous channel where you're communicating to. And because of it, we work for different organizations and things like that, I'm finding more and more and more where WhatsApp groups are just becoming to prominence. Now I've used WhatsApp for years. When I was working with Yuri on the Virtually Possible back in 2020, we never emailed, we just WhatsApped voice note, video links in WhatsApp and you're done. And uh, I'm just sensing even with clients now, we're setting up like mini WhatsApp groups and the responsiveness is so much better. And the fact that WhatsApp messages are typically, well, there's more brevity in them and it's like to the point, but also you can throw in some emojis and giffies. You can react, you can see who's read if that notification thing is switched on. It's such a great way to communicate, right? So we had the WhatsApp group. I think that was the major source of momentum was having that WhatsApp group and tagging different people um, as well. So that was a good way of, of making it happen and um, the way that we collaborated without actually having to meet in person or have like more frequent calls. So I joined this committee and like you're not really aware of like what does everyone else do and what are their strengths are and how can I then help out? Like, where do I fit in here? So a couple of things of roles I took on, one was like helping with the marketing. So more of the like just getting images in Canva. The good thing about that is that because there've been so many events that have been run around the world, there were pre-existing templates you could just tweak. And then I went onto LinkedIn. I sort of searched for the hashtag of 10 by 10 giving, see what other cities had posted, tweaked it a bit, helped out with uh, driving like event emails that went out to the list. So I helped out in that regard. And then the other event, so I think nominated me to co-MC with a guy called Chris Titley, who I met. MCing is, is of course, I'd love to do it. Uh, I run a podcast about facilitation. It's always fun to be the MC. So I'm going to reflect on that as well. But also the co-MCing part, like how do you split that role? Prior to this, like Chris and I only met on like on the committee calls. Uh, then we had, I think, two calls. So the first one was just really just bashing out the run sheet. Um, so in my book, I call that the spark sheet. Just going through it bit by bit. At that stage, we just had a template from another event. Chris had been to the venue. And so he had a really good idea, and we both agreed on this, is when we actually were putting together the, the order of proceeding to the event, it was about 90 minutes of people sitting down. And one of the major reasons you come to this event is like to talk to people and network and meet other people. And I was like, oh gosh, I think I'd fall asleep if I had to sit down for 90 minutes. Now, because Chris had been to the venue, it's this beautiful art gallery called the Baringa Gallery, such a cool, cozy space. And Chris recognized that there were these actually different it was, it was like an L-shaped room. And so he's like, well, for the first part, let's do the welcome and the welcome to acknowledgement of country and a few intros. Um, we'll, let's keep everyone standing up for that part. Then we'll move everyone over for the sitting part, which then we reduce the time to about 50 minutes. So that was a really good thing. And then for the auction at the end and raffles, we'll keep it up, up, you know, upstanding, everyone around, like mingled around. And that was a really good call. And I think it's such, there's so much value in actually like as an MC, 
understanding what your environment is, like understanding the environment that you're operating in, much like great business strategy, because that really dictates that. And also thinking about the audience's experience. So like I said, Chris and I were like, well, first of all, I know when I go to an event, I think the venue was saying, oh, we'll put 20% of the food out at the beginning and then bring up the other 80% after the pitches. And we're like, no, no, no. A lot of people are coming from work at six o'clock. And like, I know I'm super, I'm hungry all the time, but I just bring out the food like 50%, like as soon as people get there, get the drinks rolling. And we wanted people to have a kind of few drinks so they'd like donate more money. <laughs> so that was free flowing. And then, yeah, so so there's all these like hygiene factors. You then we might be thinking, why is the MC doing this? I think it's like a fundamental part of the job is actually going, okay, what's the environment? And actually second guessing and going, how would I feel if I was in that room and this was going on, would that make sense for me? So that's why we structured it that way. Chris and I, I think we spoke about like, we're both very, timing is really important for us and keeping things moving along. So that we're very aligned on that. As I was talking to Chris, I just realized he had a really sort of fun sense of humor, very friendly. And he's, he seemed very eager to do the auction and raffle. I'm like, you have that. So I think there's a good part about being open with the person that you're working with and actually saying, hey, I want to do this or I don't feel comfortable doing this part. How do you feel about it? Because you want to play to each other's strengths as well. So yeah, that was the first part was just knocking out that structure. Then we met up again the day before the event and we added some more details. That's when you start going into like specifics of like, okay, what happens here? Who does that? And just allocating like your, your, this is your part and you have con- complete control over it. And then this is my part and just trust that I'll bring, like I'll be organized for that part. So it's good when you have someone that you can, and look, I'd never met Chris in person and actually probably the best compliment we got on the night. I had someone come up to me and say, how long have you and Chris been emceeing together for? I'm like, I just met him an hour ago. <laughs> so, uh, so that was lovely. So those are the, the key parts is think of the environment, think of the structure, think of how you would feel if you were an audience member as part of it. Then allocate roles. Don't be afraid to speak up and say, hey, I want to do this part or I don't feel comfortable doing that. Like, how do you feel about it? Also second guessing what you're given. So like I said, we we're working off um, a run sheet that had been given to us, but there was a part where it said, you must, like, no, I didn't say you must, but it said, play the video um, and because we'd spoken about having using another side of the room for the opening, it was really hard. Like the project, there was a projector there, but it was like just an awkward place. And so on the night, like I said, look, do we even need to play this video? And we didn't like, she said, no, you don't have to play it. I was like, oh, great. Well, that, that makes everything a lot easier. We don't have to like move all this furniture and artwork around just to play a three minute video. But the assumption was, you know, when you handed a template of an event, you think you, you kind of assume that you have to play within those confines. And I guess always ask the question, like there's, there's no harm in just asking. And I'm so grateful we did because I didn't want to have to move laptops around and all that crazy stuff just to play a three minute video. For me, it didn't make sense. And I'm glad that that was verified. The other good thing about co-hosting is that there's uh, contrast that I, I talk about contrast all the time on this podcast and the book. There is contrast woven into it, just the different voice as well. And I think Chris and I have like a different yet complementary, So that worked out really well. Where it got fun on the night and interesting is where all these um, little challenges popped up, <laughs> let's, let's say. So the first one was the audio just went. Like, so for the first part, the networking part, we had um, these two microphones and it was wonderful and great. The audio came through nice and crisp and I, I'm all for audio. Like even on Zoom calls, I'll bring my podcast microphone on. Audio is so important because you want to be able to hear people, obviously. Now, the the sad part was during when we actually moved to the pitches. So this is when the three founders, I'll give them a call out, all true, Jesse McLaughlin, Levi from the Indigenous Futures Foundation, and Jared from What Ability. And I'll put a link to these three amazing organizations actually in the show notes if you want to show your support to the work that they do. Their founders, I mean, they're having to get up in front of all these people, like 100 people, and pitch, and there was no microphone. Um, and so... I'm, I think I'm okay. Like I think I can project my voice pretty well. 
but for yeah i mean that's a challenge right like you're expecting a microphone and then it's like then you have to like amplify it and the event guys wanted to bring like they brought in a backup speaker and microphone that worked for maybe 30 seconds and then it just died it was like what is going on here so that was big as we're just about to walk up to the pitches i had someone say i need a body upstairs i'm like what do you mean like i'm just about to MC this can anyone else in the committee um and he's like leanne the counselor here i don't know if you've seen what's going on upstairs but they have blocked off the whole road there are major roadworks they're about to start jackhammering like getting into this concrete um and the venue we're in was like just it was kind of off the street but like literally just downstairs so we we would have heard that no one had had thought to look up what roadworks what major roadworks were happening like 20 meters from the venue and so you match that with no microphone and you're thinking okay oh my gosh anyway i don't know what happened i better find out that story but we sent georgia Shout out to Georgia who went upstairs and must have said something to council and she pushed, I think, the roadworks for about 45, 50 minutes so that we could actually hear people. Um, so that's never happened to me before. I've had, um, yeah, fire drills. I've had, actually in Hong Kong, I had a, what was it, a Category 7 typhoon when I was over there. That shut it down. We had protests in Hong Kong. So I've had a few different things that have gone on, but not a jackhammer. That's, that was kind of funny. There was no power cable next to my laptop. And when you do project onto a big screen, I do find that the battery does die. So thankfully my computer was at hundred percent battery when I got there. So like that, just to call out to that, if you are taking any equipment, just charge everything. There's been times where I've showed up to events where my Bluetooth speaker hasn't been charged and I thought it was still full of charge, but it wasn't. And there's no, yeah, like it's just, just these annoying like little things. And so even like the day before a session, just charge things up. Like I say in the book, iron your shirt the night before, like get these things prepared so that you don't have to deal with it. Uh, the hard, hard part about emceeing as well is that like everyone else is having a drink and having fun. And so I didn't drink until afterwards, but I definitely caught up after the event. <laughs> just kept you know, hydrated with water and everything else. Um, and I think with emceeing, because you're at the front and you're, you need to know what's going on. So people are constantly coming up to you and asking you questions as well as if you're the event coordinator. So you need to just keep in mind that your role isn't just, and I think that's okay, right? So you you can definitely like tell them where, who else to go to, but you also need to be aware of what's going on because like I needed to know about the council roadworks up, upstairs because that could have impacted the speeches and everything else. Like it, it's just part of the gig. And there's times where you're like, you know, I just need to get my notes. I need to run around. And I, and it's balancing, I would say, everything you need to know, you need to know before you even rock up to the venue because you need to be 100% present for everyone else when they show up. You know, you're organized. So like I even literally bring, I'm at a bar, right? We're, we're at a bar, but I, I brought my own drink bottle with cold water because that's something I don't need to worry about, like going to the bar and having to get a drink when people are coming up and, and talking to me. And plus Chris and I were always checking in as well because I needed to, to communicate with him. He needed to communicate back. The other thing that happened on the night, so this is all about fundraising, right? So we had these amazing like raffles and auctions that were happening. And what happened was because the pitches end around quarter to eight, we're constantly promoting, hey, like jump into the auction site and you've got to register and do a few different things to then um, put your bid in for a ticket. But because um, in Australia, there's something called daylight saving. So the auction site was set up to end at 8.30 p.m. on the night. But that was in Sydney time. So the auction actually ended at 7.30 while the pitches were going on. So we couldn't promote that during the event, which is kind of like, it, honestly, like I would have, it's an easy mistake to make. No, none of us picked it up. Like I was looking at the auction that day. I didn't even look at the countdown and associate that much time with it. But it's just like all these sort of micro things that can really, you know, you just want to be on top of. And I never even thought that daylight savings would have come into it. But just to call out, if I can save one auction from closing an hour early when it's not meant to, um, I'm happy to help you just 
remember that that's a thing. As part of the night, like if I was to describe it like a Venn diagram, it is philanthropy meets Shark Tank meets a cocktail party. That is the unique and really fun combination of 10 by 10. Um, and if I actually might even throw, I'll put a link to a LinkedIn post I did where I share photos from the event so you can see the vibe of what it's like. It's just such a beautiful, fun, purpose-driven evening. So it's Shark Tanks. We have sharks um, that come in that are either business or philanthropic minded and uh, after every um, pitch they then ask a question or reflect on the pitch and what they thought and share their insights and then ask the founders a question i'm very lucky to have a couple of friends that are pretty high profile well, one is Liesl jones she's an incredible olympic swimmer like a legend of the yeah just an absolute legend of swimming so she was there and my friend peter tofa who's been on my other podcast work and live large um he's a tongan flag bearer that broke the internet he's been very prolific and so you think just again a share is when you introduce people, and I don't do it well enough on the podcast, I have to say a lot of time I'm just, I do the interview, then I grab their bio and I kind of tweak a few things, but I don't really bring it to life. And I think, um, yeah, I really should do that more and make it more of a practice on this podcast, but I do do it when I MC. I really want to make, want people to connect with the person rather than just reading out a bio of who they are. So I want to share, drop some funny one-liners. <laughs> Look, I thought they were funny and I did get laughs, so that's been validated. <laughs> it's um funny one-liners that I used because you could possibly use these if you're introducing some high-profile people at an event. So for Liesl, because she's an Olympic swimmer, she's one of these gold medals and broken records. I said, um, introduced her, one sentence, and then I said, here's a fast fact about Liesl Jones. Between us, we actually have won four world championships. We've won, you know, so I made a joke that our combined medal tally is this and we've yeah, obviously at 100% that is Liesl, but it was really quite funny and a nice way to for people to connect and um, yeah, it, it just brought the laugh. So that's a, that's a good one. Uh, the second one for Peter was uh, Peter's been interviewed on Good Morning America. He's um, also been on Kevin Hart and Snoop Dogg's show, but he tells me that tonight is going to be the highlight of his career, right? So it's just a nice way of like, I'm not saying oh, he's been on this show, he's been on the show. It's like, it's connecting what he's done and his social proof to where we are at the moment. And again, it's kind of self-deprecating, but that that's Australian humor too. The other joke, and this wasn't, this wasn't, I just made it up on the moment, but and Chris and I were, we introduced each other. And so Chris has a podcast as well. I have a, and he goes, oh, and I said, oh, Chris, you got a podcast too. Isn't this weird that we're not pre-recording it and we're live? It feels a bit awkward. So just joking around that. And then another thing is when, you know, we tell people to give yourselves a pat on the back. And I, I guess you gotta be very quite sensitive with the whole, you know, still without of COVID and, and people handshaking and things like that. But look, you can give yourself a pat on the back, but I encourage you to turn to the person next to you and just give them a high five. And just use the MBS, Michael Bunga, Stanley line. You're awesome and you're doing great. And this you know, in the first five minutes of doing that, that was like part of the cocktail intro. It's just a nice, again, loosener and gets people um, interacting and just saying hi to someone maybe that they would not have met before. So that's it. Those are just a quick solo reflection episode on emceeing, uh, the, f- the funny curveballs we can be sent and, and everything like that, how you can prepare, maybe some one-liners that you might want to use for your next gig. I'd love to hear your experiences emceeing as well. Um, and I put a link to a lot of the things that I mentioned in this episode um, in the show notes. Always reach out, let me know your reflections and thoughts and I'll chat to you next time.